A Meeting of Terrors by Joe Talon Chapter 2 It took a little time, but we managed to arrange two heavy-duty 4WDs close together on the bluff, their back ends pointing into the weather. Ella and I secured our ropes to the tow hitches, then checked the other's work, just to be certain we were safe. Next I checked the harness, and she checked mine. The straps were tight around my backside and thighs, triggering a surge of rough joy as my body primed for a jump. We both wore white helmets with lights mounted. Instincts are a strange thing. All my body knew I might be jumping out of a plane or off the side of a building. It didn't matter. The hormonal cocktail pleased me. After being out of the regiment for months, I'd been plodding through my days in black and white. The nights, they were full technicolor, not in a way I enjoyed. The nightmares were bad, and the daylight episodes weren't much better. Maybe this adventure would shake something loose and I'd sleep tonight, untroubled and deep. Here and watch that pig drop over the horizon, farting rainbows. I yanked on the rope, annoyed with myself for ruining the moment. I walked to the edge of the cliff with Ella. We turned our backs on the sea. Ready? she asked. Ready. She slipped into the void. I followed. That stomach-dropping moment brought a smile to my ruined face. Muscle memory had me fast-roping down the cliff with ease. When I paused, locking the rope to check my buddy, I laughed. He roped like a pro, tackling the descent with no hesitation. Halfway down the sheer cliff face, a sense of impending doom made me glance over my shoulder. A huge wave surged towards us. Brace, I bellowed. Ella locked herself in place and hugged to the cliff wall. I didn't move fast enough. The wave struck us. A freezing wall of water. The smell of ancient salt shocked me, almost as much as the cold. I gasped and sucked in a mouthful of the brine. I tucked my head down, but it wouldn't be enough. The pole backwards left my fingers scrambling at the crumbling surface of the damned cliff. A small hand reached out and grabbed my arm. Ella's hold remained firm on the rock, and she clung to me in the cliff wall, preventing me being bounced into the never-never by the sea. She'd grinned at me and laughed as I'd spluttered a thank you. When the wave cleared, we continued the downward journey swiftly. Her landing on a slippery cliff fall made us both very aware of the dangers we faced. The sea spray soaked us, and Ella shivered. I shifted a little to take some of the pressure off her small frame, though I didn't dare make a big deal out of it because I'd watched the ferocity with which she tackled the cliff, and it didn't seem wise to equate small with weak. You can call me Ella now, she said. I can't wait to see that headline, Local Vicar Saves SAS Sergeant Major. I laughed, the thrill of the ride and the battle with the elements leaving me giddy despite my attempt to control it. No saving me, Ella, I'm afraid that ship took sail about twenty years ago and never put back into port. We tied off again on a huge boulder, but didn't release our ropes just yet. If the sea did win and stole us from the land, at least we had the illusion of safety. The rockside consisted of small rubble and large unstable boulders. The entire mess was slick with seawater and rain. Rivulets of mud carved small tracks through the detritus. I cupped my hands around my mouth and yelled down into the shallow hole we'd landed beside. Nothing human came back, just the scream of the wind and waves. Even the gulls were hiding. The thought of entering the cave robbed me of any joy I'd found in the climb down the cliff. I did not want to be underground again, never again. Why hadn't I thought this adventure through? The flash of an image. A long low tunnel, sides badly shored up with broken beams from destroyed houses, the air hot suffocating, full of dust and sand, 
the grit in my teeth crunching as I clenched my jaws, sensing trouble, but unable to turn my unit back. Think you're in charge now, Lorne? Ellis said, dragging me back to the present. I took a deep breath and blinked a few times, shredding the vivid internal image. We needed to lower ourselves into the dark hole. I switched on my helmet light. Agreed. Keep close to the surface we'll be on. That way you don't crash down hard when you lose your footing. Walk parallel to me rather than directly behind. When you do slip, you don't push rocks directly onto me. I shouted this over the waves and wind. The scent of the sea was so sharp it made my nose sting. The two-way radio I carried crackled to life. Nine? Any progress? Roger's voice. Negative. No sign of body so far and no sign of life either. Can you get into the cave? Affirmative. We're going to try for it now. We have to go in together. I can't leave Ella on the rocks. It's too exposed. We're likely to go dark for a while. Understood. Good luck. Hard copy on that. I wondered if Ella had any experience with the dead. Then realised what a fucking stupid thought it was. She'd probably seen more dead bodies than either of the police officers up on the cliff. I glanced at my companion and saw her eyes were closed, lips moving. I waited for a moment. When she focused, I received a brief nod to let me know we were good to go. Cave entrance is usually dry, unless it's a heavy sea like now, Ella yelled. You don't sound local. How do you know, I asked. I've been down this way for a while and I like exploring. I'm moving parishes soon. Fair enough. We both ducked as another wave surged over the rockfall. Not quite powerful enough to grab us, but we didn't want to hang about any longer. We'd be pushing into the cliff to gain access, the hole barely big enough for us. Just take it steady getting down. We don't know if we're landing in water or on a dry surface. If it's water, I don't want you drowning. It's going to be dark down there, making you hard to find. I guess this isn't the time to mention I ate the dark, she muttered, barely audible over the elements. It wasn't the dark that bothered me, rather the things that lived in the dark. Insurgents with IEDs and AK-47s, the heat of the desert night making it impossible to breathe with the body armour, webbing and the damned helmet weighted with NGV goggles. Of course, even night vision needed some kind of light to give you the ghostly green shades necessary, and in those bloody tunnels. Lorne, Ella called, dragging me out of the desert tunnels. Ready, I asked. Ready, I asked, a sharp command. She flinched a little, but nodded. I switched on the light strapped to my builder's helmet and dug my boots into the shale. I lay on my back and wiggled through the small hole, feet first. The moment my head dropped below the ridgeline of the collapse, the sound changed. The sea became a distant threat. Our harsh breathing and sliding rocks echoed around the black space. I soon realized neither of us were going slowly enough for the angle of the rock slide. Ella cursed in a very unvickily way as she lost control. She hit the shale on her ass. I reached out and managed to grab her coat as she struggled to remain behind me. Leaning into the mudslide, and Ella prevented us from falling out of all control. I achieved mission success by stopping us from falling into the void below. The black water reflected our weak headlamp lights, a dull sheen of illumination, reluctant and somehow clammy. Fuck, that's going to be cold, I growled. My breath silvered in a still air and it smelled of damp rock, but not seaweed. Sorry, I lost control, Eller mumbled, scrambling away from me. I twisted my head, and the lamplight showed a wide cave entrance that soon narrowed and rose at the back. Stepping into the water would be like entering a gateway. One wrong move, and I'd be in another world. Not a cheery thought, considering its grim darkness. We were quiet. The light from my helmets didn't reach far, 
the beams a powerful weapon of the modern world, battling the ancient dark that existed before God said, Let there be light. Blacker than sin down here, Heller whispered. I glanced up and behind us. A narrow fissure led to the outside world, but the grey light of the day could not penetrate far into this dark hole. A crawling feeling rose up my arms and back. My chest and throat were tight. My ears were picking up stray sounds, a knock, 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 like gunfire as it reverberates off mountains. I shook my head. The light wobbling about sent shards of shadow dancing over the walls and water. Christ, don't do that, Ella murmured. Sorry. She felt tense beside me. I don't like the dark. I'm a climber, not a caver. Yeah, I don't do underground either, I found myself whispering as well. Sod this, I was an elite bloody soldier. Nothing scared me. Not some stinking daft old cave in England's tamed southwest peninsula. There will be no IED traps here. We were not going to be captured and tortured. We were not going to be shot at around every corner. We were safe and looking for some idiot delinquents. No time to hesitate. I cupped my mouth and yelled for the kids. We waited. Nothing came back but a deadened echo, flattened like a muffled war drum, the walls of the cave absorbing our existence. How deep do you think the water is? Ella asked as I checked the radio. Nothing but squelch. One way to find out. I handed her my rope to hold on to as I slipped into the freezing cold. Action over inaction. I wasn't going to stay on that slope, listening to my breathing and wondering what lay in the dark. My balls shot up into my body, my lungs contracted. The water turned out to be hip-deep. Oh, damn me, I snarled, trying to modify my language due to the company of a vicar. You don't need to get wetter, Ella. You're even shorter than I am. Climb onto my back and we'll leave the ropes here. You being a gallant chauvinist, she asked. I snorted. No one being practical. If we get stuck down here, I'm going to need your body heat at some point. Women run cold at the best of times, so it's important you retain your natural reservoir. Move before I change my mind and make you walk on water. He laughed. You're not animal, Lawn Turner. I didn't have a reply to that one. My teeth were chattering already. Ella scrambled towards me, and I turned enough for her to reach out and fit her slim frame to my back. I trapped her legs against my waist and settled her weight. She wasn't much more than my bergen and an assault rifle. With great care, I waded into the black water, testing the ground by keeping my feet just off the sandy surface. Grateful for the easy walk, I didn't notice as the water level dropped and the incline increased. But once the numbness eased from my thighs, I took my first big breath and moved more quickly. When we reached the opposite shore, after maybe twelve careful steps, Ella wriggled free and dropped to the sand. Thank you, St. Christopher, she said. I didn't reply. Independence oozed from Ellen Morgan, and being practical by allowing me to carry her caused her discomfort. Rather than ask if she was okay, I crouched and removed my helmet so I could use the light more easily. The weight of the cliff rose above us, but pressed down simultaneously. The darkness in that narrow cave oozed around us, touching us each time the torch beams moved to a new spot. Don't move too much, I said, shining the light close to the ground. I pointed. An air hissed over Ella's teeth. Boot prints covered the sand around us. They layered over each other in a total muddle, so I couldn't tell how many pairs were there, but they were new and not left over from our previous party. At least some of them were alive. We both spoke with a kind of quiet you hear in a church, but no comfort came from the reverence. We were quiet because this silence did not wish to be disturbed. What if the prints were made earlier in the day? she asked. 
I deflated a little. He was right, of course, and I wish I could prove what my instincts were telling me. These were recent, but without years of experience tracking enemies, and sometimes missing friendlies, in many environments, you just couldn't know. I rose and followed the majority of footprints as they marched up the slope to the cave's rocky floor. Well, I guess it's time to find out, I said. Where the sea breached the entrance on a regular basis, everything had that rolled smooth effect, making the rock look soft. The walls of the cave were rough above the waterline. The incline sharpened and the cave narrowed. The sand vanished. We followed the residue from the soles of shoes. It wouldn't take long for that to be impossible. The children had gone into the deeper caves. My heartbeat kicked up. Silence wrapped its arms around us. Not a comfortable silence. The air thickened, became weighted, expectant, poised. I had known this air before, smelt it, felt it, experienced the consequences of it. Dust and sand, blood and bone. My breathing tightened. A feeling rushing over my scalp, a hard black feather being drawn over my skin. Sweat trickled over my naked scalp and down the back of my neck. As the walls of the cave drew in, we faced the entrance to a tunnel. We're going to have to go through there one at a time, Ellis said. I heard the worry, and it didn't release the tension in my chest, but it did help me step up. I needed to be the man who invaded enemy territory, who took out hostiles to save civilians. It almost worked. Right up until I remembered... I wasn't that man any longer, and I'd left the damned army for a reason. I was broken. Don't think about it. I turned sideways and lowered my head enough to slip into the crevice. Even with the lamplight from my helmet, the dark increased tenfold. The crevice rubbed against the climbing gear I'd worn, the sound sibilant. Up close, the smell of the rock became overpowering, an alien scent of crystalline structures so old They'd think we were nothing more than fleas biting the surface of the world. I shuffled forwards. I thought caves were supposed to be cold. I talked to the stone wall, because I couldn't turn my head. My fingers were pressing into the crumbling stone. It didn't help me believe the ancient rocks might remain in place long enough for us to escape our living tomb. They are, Ella muttered. Christ, I didn't know better. I think I was having a hot flush. Rather than the damp cold of a sea cave, this narrow crevice leaked heat almost desert-like heat. The air came thick and hard into my lungs. The weight above pressed down. I shuffled on through the narrow fissure, my hands pushing against the rock face, trying to find me more room to breathe, more room to move so I could be free. A low growl of sound. What was that? I asked. Don't keep moving, Ella hissed. The growl turned into a wrenching sound, a snarl of sound, a wall of sound of ancient dark, disturbed by the worst kind of trespassers, a disrespectful invader. A brief flash of an image in my head, people in furs leaving fish and fruit at the cave entrance to appease their local deity. Maybe I should ask Ella if she had some Kendall mint cake on her. The air in the crevice started to evaporate, my breaths became hot pants. I tried to shuffle forwards, but the darkness ahead pressed back against the weak beam of my torch and held me still. The sound returned. Louder this time, a crunching, grinding of ancient rocks, combined with the bass call of tortured bones, a brutal, ancient sound. What the fuck is that? I heard my panic as if from a thousand miles away. It lasted no more than a few seconds, but about a million heartbeats. The crevice grew narrower, 
and in the distance I heard the rat-tat-tat of the fifty-cal machine-gun, and my personal weapon growing hot in my hand. Lorne? Lorne, you're not moving. You okay? The wind screaming, howling in agony as the dust swirled, red from the sun, red from the blood of Englishmen dying. A small hand slipped into mine. I couldn't turn my head. The dark pressed against me. The wall of the tunnel pressed against me. Grit filled my mouth, making my tongue thick and heavy, coating my teeth, nose, eyes, ears, dust and sand. They'll die, Heller. The words were almost as tortured as the screams I'd heard that dying day. Lorne, you need to move forwards. We need to move forwards. Not a metaphor, a reality. Her panic made the pitch of her words higher. The hand squeezed hard, really hard. A jolt of pain nipped up my arm from nerve damage due to an old knife attack. The screaming crunch of old bones boomed inside the crevice. Ella yelped. My helmet hit the rocks as I shoved back hard, banging my head. What the fuck was that noise? I yelled into the dark. It eased, the noise. Passed through us or retreated. I didn't know which. Didn't care. Just never wanted to hear it again. Don't know. Just keep going, please. I can't be stuck in here much longer. I tried to push back against the suffocating heat and desert soil between my unit and freedom, fighting to keep us on mission in the dark tunnel. My feet shuffled forwards. Success, I moved, and the dark retreated, cold and damp, rushed into my lungs. The air became salty, not desert dust. I moved against the rocks pressing down, and with five more shuffling steps, the crevice opened. I stumbled into the dark, lungs filling. With hands on my knees and head bowed, life rushed back where nothing but ancient death had lived. Stumbling into the new cave to give Ella room, my torch licked against something that wasn't rock. I turned back. A shadow flitted in the distance on the edge of the lamplight. Who's there? I called out louder than intended. The echo bounced and doubled, its ricochet fading. Ella grunted and came free of the rock. I did not enjoy that, she muttered. I bloody ate Halloween. It's Halloween? Days tended to blur together. Tonight I guess the kids were planning to celebrate down here first, then go back into the town for a night of chaos. Bloody hell. The terror of being locked in this tomb forever made Halloween all too real right now. Checking with my boots that the ground remained firm, I lifted my light higher, trying to track the shadow I'd seen move. Nothing but a darker patch of black than the small grotto we now occupied. I should move, go and find out if we were being hunted, but my feet weren't interested in obeying my commands. I closed my eyes and took a breath. There wouldn't be some nutter Isis murderer with an AK-47. Therefore, did I have to fight something that wasn't holding an assault rifle? I could just turn away, ignore the problem. I didn't have to be brave, follow orders, or back up my unit. Ella stood beside me, and we examined the black void. The walls were smoother even than the other cave. Was this one older? Did it fill with water more often? ground remained free of sand, and no footprints led the way. Did they really all die, your men? Ella asked into the gloom. A cautious question, this one, because she instinctively knew I wouldn't want to talk about my stupid revelation. No, not all of them. It just felt like it, I said, voice rough. Memory is rougher. They stepped into the darkness to escape the next question. Come on. My heart ached, and this tension made my blood sing incoherently in my ears. I needed to yell again, now we'd gone deeper into the cliff face, but I didn't want to disturb the cold silence. I didn't want to provoke the shadows, the old guards. We followed the wall on our left and found another exit. I paused, aware of how this could go wrong in a thousand different ways. Maybe you should remain here. 
Just in case something happens to me. Ella snorted. Yeah, I'm staying alone in this scary black hole. I glanced at her. The light in her pale skin blurred her features until it settled. Scary. So I wasn't the only one feeling the creeping terror of the unknown dark. I'm a vicar, Lorne. I know more about the supernatural than the average bloke. It's kind of my job description. Believe in the unbelievable. Come to think of it, that should be lesson one on day one. Believe in the supernatural, or you're not welcome in vicar's school. He was babbling at me. Fuck. We both felt it. The sucking tension. The raising heat again, with no source in the cold of a cave. A trembling of the heart. A shivering of the soul. I think it might be time you summoned your bit of the supernatural, Vicar, I muttered. You might be right. I think it might be time to start saying it. We walked with great care along the wall of the cave, the light unable to point out much. Ella said, My dad, he was an army chaplain, Bosnia, and in the first Gulf War, those little gems of human hatred. He said, Soldiers, great and practical men, until they are faced with the thought of there being more out in the world than they can hunt and kill. How do you feel, Lorne? I shifted against her, the swish of our respective nylon comfort. I tried not to think about it, Vicar. I tried to leave the dead on their battlefields, because taking ghosts into the next fight meant you were a danger to those around you who still breathed. She grunted. Maybe you should. Trust me, that's the last thing you want to think about right now. It won't bring either of us any comfort. You just say your prayers. I shifted forwards and entered another tight hole. I'm going to drown those kids. You a believer? Ella asked following me once more. I managed to walk, shoulders square this time, even if I was crouched down to avoid being knocked unconscious. Asking me if I'm a Christian, that's what was on my file at Creedon Hill. An image of my commanding officer's filing cabinet rose in my mind, and the battle of single malt he kept in there for those soldiers who needed a little TLC. We shared half a bottle the day I talked him through the parts of the statement I'd made that couldn't go into my official report for the last mission I'd led in Syria. Ella huffed out a breath. Just because it says C.O.V. in a file doesn't make a soldier a believer. No, I'm not much of a believer beyond. A bloke made some wise statements about how we should live our lives, and ever since, people have been dying for those sentiments. I'll try to put the sceptic inside you to one side, and focus on what the bloke said about being kind to each other, and that his dad is able to smite demons. Roger that, I murmured. The low screaming snarled through the tunnel, and the temperature rose again. The rock, hot and dry instead of cold and slick against my fingertips, the heat inside me burning. Ella stopped muttering and spoke more clearly into the darkness, forcing confidence into her demands. The kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. The tunnel ran under the outskirts of the Kurdish town we were trying to escape because of ISIS sweeping through the area. Desperate to feel the desert air rather than the foul, stuffy heat, I lifted the hatch to freedom. Only an inch before checking for wires, checking for the enemy, always checking and re-checking, trying not to forget the one thing which would get us all killed. My trusted instincts were screaming and jumping up and down, begging me to run. I couldn't. We couldn't. This was our only exit to the LZ. While we'd been underground, the wind had risen again, a howling desert gale, like being inside a tumble dryer with a quarter ton of sand sticking to every sweaty surface on your clothes and skin. Dusk had fallen making the turbulent wind fox red as the dying sun glinted off the small particles in the air. The men behind pressed forward, as anxious to leave the tunnels as me, if we could avoid being trapped and picked off down here. It would be a miracle. I stood on a short wooden ladder and watched the technical stop ahead of me, the headlights of the truck bright even in the dim evening. Two men rose from the back and ignored the mounted heavy machine gun. 
No more than twenty metres from our location, they lifted a long, narrow tube. I flipped the hatch up, surged over the top, already firing to bring them down, screaming for my men to run back up the tunnel. Amen, called out Ella, shocking me back to the tunnel in the present. Our helmet lights flickered in time. Shadows danced over the tight rock walls, and the weight of the cliff bore down on our shoulders. I felt like Atlas. Ella's voice shook, but she began the prayer again, louder this time. I found my voice, sceptic that I was, joining in with no obvious effort. Were Englishmen like me born with the prayer in their blood? That sound rose from the dark stone around us, a mountain screaming curses. It tore at our ears and our hearts. Ripping around me in the dark and narrow space, I wanted to scream back in fear, in defiance. No mountain would kill me. I'd conquered K2 and many more besides. A mere hill in Devon wouldn't finish me off. A hill's guts wouldn't kill me or send me mad. I battled demons every damned day of my life and half of every night. Whatever lay in the darkness here wouldn't be feeding on my soul. I already carried enough devils in me. My companion at arms shouted her final amen, and the sound shrieked back. A hot wind rushed over our faces, stinking of seaweed and gulls, then moved on, drifted off. The temperature dropped, and I drew in a clean breath of sea air. The helmet light steadied. I wish the same could be said of my legs and arms. Rarely had they trembled enough to leave me feeling weak. You okay? asked Stella on a breath. I think so. What the fuck just happened? Not sure. I think we just went to war, soldier. I'm glad I was armed with you, I said. She chuckled. I'm going to kill Roger fucking Delaney when we get out of here. I'm happy to oblige, Vicar. Lorne Turner, Supernatural Mystery Thriller Novels, available on Audible.